In this episode of Great Practices, listen in as Troy Felder, Regional Senior HR Business Partner for McKesson, provides a great definition of talent development, discusses the three E's of how people grow, explains how to keep your PMO team aligned on the talent development journey, and a couple of talent development traps and pitfalls you'll want to avoid. Plus, find out if you deserve to be in the frequent traveler line when it comes to your PMO career. It's hard to say when something is a best practice, but it's much easier to know when something is a great practice. And that's what this podcast is all about. Interviews with PMO and project management leaders who, through years of trial and error, have discovered their own great practices and are now sharing their insights with you. Now, sit back and enjoy the conversation as Chris Kopp uncovers another great practice in this episode. Well, we'd like to welcome you to Great Practices, and we have another great conversation today. But to kind of set the framework about what we're going to be talking about, there's two parts to playing in a band. First of all, you've got to know how to play your own individual instrument. And secondly, you've got to learn how to play along with others. So these two aspects of playing in a band are equally important, but they're also uh, very different in how you apply these skills. So the individual part of learning to play your instrument alone, it develops, you know, the technical skills, the understanding how to read music, how rhythm works, how that all ties in together. But then the team part of learning to play well with others is really learning how to blend in, how to be in tune. When is it that you're going to play louder or softer, you know, depending upon the piece and following the direction of the conductor. So both of these skills and in playing in those environments require development and practice. Well, things are similar when you're part of a PMO or you're running a PMO because there's the individual part. You've got your skills necessary to do your job as a project manager or as a PMO leader. But then there's also the team part. This is the playing along and playing well with others. When is it that you take the lead? When do you back off? When do you get in alignment with others? And all of this requires practice and development. Here's the trick. We know where to get music lessons, but where do we go to get PMO leadership or PM lessons when it comes to playing well with others? Because the question really is, how do we develop the talent of our project program managers at an individual basis and then help develop our teams on a group basis? Well, that's what our guest today, Troy Felder, is going to be discussing with us on our episode of Great Practices. So, Troy, we'd like to welcome you. And uh, and you want to tell us a little bit about who you are and what you do? Sure. Uh, good afternoon, Chris. I appreciate the opportunity to join you here uh, this afternoon on Great Practices. Uh, you know, for me, I consider myself a uh, seasoned HR practitioner. I guess I use that word, uh, you know, somewhat loosely. Um, but, I, but I do feel that I'm a, a, a proud graduate of the University of South Carolina at Columbia. There, where I majored in marketing, and I was asked to declare a minor. Uh, I'm, I don't recall exactly why I chose human resources, um, but ultimately uh, HR became a second major. I, I, instead of taking elective, common electives, I, I took extra HR courses. And so by the time I graduated from the University of South Carolina, I knew that I wanted to get my postgraduate degree in HR management. I did just that, uh, taking advantage of tuition reimbursement. 
and you know that that investment uh, and also um, connecting with the right individuals who sponsored me in a lot of ways uh, then prepared me for an entry level role in human resources and I'm now functioned uh, uh, in that capacity for the last twelve years. Wow! Uh, and so my career spanned uh, distribution to manufacturing to, to retail management and IT shared services. Oh, that's fantastic. What are you doing now, Troy? What's your, what's your current position? Certainly. Uh, currently, I'm with uh, McKesson Corporation. I support uh, McKesson Medical Surgical as a business unit. I'm a regional senior HR business partner supporting the central region. And so I, I, I have a VP that I support directly and then his uh, senior leadership team. Uh, and so it's quite interesting. When I think about a business partner, I focus primarily on talent development on uh, cultural change, uh, as well as strategy. And so I'm working with him and his leaders in order to drive that function within the central region of medical surgical. Got it. All right. Well, it sounds like you've got your uh, your plate full, but it sounds like you're definitely, definitely up to the task there. So we're going to ask this question because we ask this of every guest is, what's your definition of a PMO? Everybody has just a little bit of a different, different uh, definition. So how would you define a PMO? Certainly. And, and so in, in my time working with McKesson, uh, the last two years, I've actually been able to see a PMO in action, uh, outcomes when it comes to planning, communication, uh, as well as leading a project uh, through to delivery. Uh, and so that uh, the customer, the end client is uh, is truly tr- uh, satisfied. You know, um, as I was listening to one of your previous podcasts, it spoke around, um, you know, information being shared by the PMO. But then you'd be asked, oh, can you give me an update? Well, transparency is a big part of a project management office. And, uh, you know, when I think about those um, aspects, there there has to be alignment across communication, uh, risk management, change management, uh, the voice of the customer. All of these things are intertwined to to ultimately lead to uh, solving a business problem, uh, uh, continuous improvement, uh, which ultimately starts with assessment, ends with evaluation, uh, because those lessons learned are the biggest things that I've, uh, I've gleaned from working with the PMO. Yeah. You know what? I liked I liked the very first word that came out of your mouth. I think it was outcomes, you know, when it comes to a PMO, mm-hmm. because that is really what brings that value of the, of the PMO. So all of these tools that you mentioned, absolutely part of it, but what it comes down to is what's the outcomes, what's the results uh, that come out of it. So great, great definition there. So let's change gears now and get into really what your sweet spot is, which is that talent development portion, right? Because this is something, you know, in any PMO, we're going to have talented project managers and we're going to have to develop, uh, you know, personnel that's on the staff there. So what does talent development mean? How would you define that? Certainly. I know when we led into this, Chris, you talked about PMO being responsible for for people, processes, and technology. And so when I think about people, when I think about talent development, I truly believe it's a a progression. Uh, I've always encouraged employees that they're ultimately responsible for their careers. So that is the aspect of career planning uh, when you talk about uh, uh, talent development. Employee uh, undertakes career planning for their individual outcomes. Um, they determine, they implement actions to achieve certain career goals. Now on the flip side, career management is the process of selecting, evaluating, hiring, onboarding, and then developing employees, getting 
assisting them get into that next level. And so that uh, talent development is in a, man, a marriage of those two, career planning, career management. You have the employee, uh, the leader, the organization working uh, collaboratively. Uh, and so that career development could take place over the course of uh, one-on-ones, whether it be weekly or bi-weekly, encouraging an employee to drive that conversation, uh, you know, schedule the meetings, uh, plan the agenda. But then organizationally, uh, you know, it's traditionally has been annual performance reviews. But if we're truly getting to the step of talent development, it has to be more frequent. Uh, annual reviews aren't as effective as, uh, as, uh, as many studies will say. So at a minimum, we're talking about a quarterly approach where you're having, again, a collaborative uh, conversation around career aspirations, that employee's competencies. Uh, and then also outcomes in results. What is it that they have accomplished? What is that track record been? That's really where talent development takes you. Yeah, no, that's a great, uh, great explanation. And, you know, as you're talking about that, um, you know, the annual performance review, you know, um, I was thinking about it, it's like when you're taking lessons for an instrument, you know, you're not, you're not getting feedback once a year on how you're doing, you know, typically <laughs> you're going to be going on that, on that weekly or maybe a couple times a month type deal. So it does kind of seem preposterous when you put it in that, that context. Like if you only get feedback once a year, that's, that's certainly not the category of, uh, of or definition of talent development there. Now there's, there's really two, two different tracks that we could go down, right? So there's like the individual development path, and then there's really like that team development path. So what I, I want to ask you a little bit about that individual development first. How, what are some of the things that people can do when it comes to their individual uh, talent development? What does that look like to you? Sure. Um, I, I do believe that they are separate, but they're also correlated. Um, but when you're talking about individual development, um, you know, I, I, I break it down in terms of three categories, and, and it's often referred to as the 70-20-10 model. Uh, and so you have <clears throat> education, exposure, and experience. And so research shows that we grow faster and most successfully through a combination of on-the-job, social, uh, formal learning. Uh, and so that's that model. So you have about 70% is going to be uh, exposure, uh, excuse me, going to be experience. You have about 20% that's going to be exposure. And then you have 10% that's going to be education. Uh, And so that professional growth comes from 70% of of, of those work experiences down to to the formula education at 10%. Uh, And so that model is important. uh, And and when I think about it, it, it really helps an individual understand where the opportunities are. It's very similar to the difference between mentorship and sponsorship. It's sponsorship um, that often uh, gets you uh, those experiences. Those are someone speaking on your behalf when you're not even in the room. But then you have to be able to interact with others when given those opportunities. That's where the uh, that's where the uh, experience, excuse me, where the exposure comes in. Those, okay, let's go down these statistics or these percentages again. Experience, 70%, right? Exposure, 20%, and education, 10%. So what I'm hearing you say is really it is is that on the job, your hands are dirty, you've rolled up your sleeves kind of deal, and you are in it. And that's where you can really get the most, that's the most effective way of getting development there, right? Yeah, no no doubt about it. And and when you kind of think about experience, again, being that 70% of the pie, 
maybe to give a, a, a couple of examples. Um, you know, when I think about experience, you have uh, a, a business, uh, a leader within an organization operationally is, is being asked to, to manage through a variety of, of business cycles. Things ebb and they flow. Uh, change management, uh, organizational development is something that my uh, company is, is truly focused on right now. So you're asked in terms of gaining experience to identify and implement uh, a change leadership initiative. And you're going to do that from start to finish. Yeah. And you're doing that while you're also coaching others on how to go through that process. And then last, I think about project management. You know, we're um, you're using a, a process improvement techniques to lead a cross-functional team, and that's going to ultimately solve a business problem. So those are examples of getting experiences within an organization that can really drive you forward. So what can can you talk a little bit more? What do you? How would you define exposure? What does that look like? Yeah, it, it, exposure is one that I think again maybe leaning on. Um, a couple of examples. You know, I, I think about, you know, there were years in earlier in my career where uh, formulating and coming to uh, data-driven uh, recommendations uh, was something that I saw as an opportunity. And so when you can get exposed to uh, evaluating data, uh, being analytical in terms of uh, that research, um, understanding uh, what ultimately drives and influences uh, changes in the business. Uh, and then that also leads to a level of collaboration. And so when I think about the various work streams that a PMO can expose one to, that is an opportunity right there, just in terms of data analytics. Uh, another example that comes to mind, since we're talking talent development, there is a lot of exposure that comes from uh, 360 assessments where not only your leaders, but also your subordinates are giving you feedback. And then someone is facilitating and consolidating that feedback in order for you to become a better leader and a more effective leader. So when you coach others through that experience uh, and you're involved in that experience, you know, you think about new leader assimilation is another example that comes to mind. You want to uh, uh, first understand and then be understood. And those, again, are things from an exposure standpoint that can not only drive an individual contributor's career in the right direction, but most certainly leaders. Yeah, no, that's good. I, I like how they they tie in together, right? I mean, you know, education is a given, but that exposure part is kind of like, hey, this is this is what's possible. You know, these are these are the things that can be done. And then if that kind of piques your curiosity or your interest, then you can roll your sleeves up and get into it. And uh, you know, and the, and you're right, that experience, you know, and and sometimes that experience is something has gone terribly wrong and off the rails, but man, that mm -hmm. is the most invaluable experience. The next time around, you know, when you're up, when you're up at the plate, the next time around, those types of lessons are invaluable, aren't they? There's always opportunities to learn. And so when we were talking about PMO, those lessons learned, that evaluation, that course correction. So there, there really aren't any mistakes. There's only opportunities to grow, opportunities to learn. And that's really uh, how most individuals should approach those lessons learned and approach all of their experiences is always something to gain. Yeah, that's a real good way of looking at it. So love it. Education, exposure, experience. That's from an individual uh, individual development plan. Now, what about team development? How can how can this be done effectively? So, you know, the individuals learned how to play their instrument, but how can they play it well with others? How is a good way to do that? And so I, I think about uh, team development, 
uh, is one that's very similar to organizational goals that are being cascaded. So you want to have a, a team objective, uh, almost like a team, uh, a theme. You want to have something that everyone uh, can connect to, something that resonates. So it starts broad and it becomes more focused, uh, going from team to individual. Uh, and so we were ultimately all moving to in the same direction. We want to be reading from the same sheet of music. Um, but, you know, what drives effectiveness is, is, is again, that team overall uh, overarching uh, goals. And so team development can focus on a contrast of what I've seen referred to as impact on others versus the likelihood of success. And so maybe this is something that you would actually coach a team on and everybody would understand that concept in order to drive effectiveness. And so everybody sets out to do something of value, but everything that is asked of us on a day in day out basis, we, we just can't accomplish it all. And so, you know, we have to communicate priorities uh, and then we have to delegate or even eliminate things that we should not be doing, things that are not uh, priorities. And so, you know, I think about the, the, the four disciplines of execution that comes to mind. But then teams need to be aware that, uh, you know, you know, we were dealing with a, a pandemic of burnout prior to dealing with a, a, a infectious disease that led to a global pandemic because folks were so tasked with doing more with less. Yeah. So we really have to be focused around team development in terms of overall effectiveness. So your two words that you use there are, are impact and execution, right? Those are the mm -hmm. those are the two words there, and and tell me, you said impact on others. Can you kind of talk a little bit further about that? Like, what do you what would an example of that be, perhaps? Sure. When when we're talking about um, you know talent development, it, it really it, it goes back to a principle within McKesson. Uh, we have uh, I two care and I lead are uh, essentially what we do and how we do it. So uh, from an I lead perspective. Uh, leadership behavior, we want to make sure that we're developing others as we develop ourselves. And so impact on others is going to be uh, not only important to you as an emerging and developing leader, but also from a talent development perspective as a hiring manager, as a leader of leaders, as a leader of others, uh, even you are responsible for the uh, impact uh, on others and ultimately how they execute. Something I've always trained on is that as a leader, though I may be accountable uh, for the PNL, though I may be accountable even for talent development, uh, it is often others. And at, at McKesson, we don't refer uh, to managers as managers. We refer to them as people leaders. Uh, it's others that are re responsible for the execution of talent development. I give them tools and resources. I try to impact or impart on them uh, in terms of uh, what their responsibility is. But again, it's it's uh, it's uh, incumbent upon someone else in order to execute on it. Yeah, and I guess you know, I mean, the ultimate goal is you've got that um, you know the 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 high impact and you know great execution, right? I mean, that would be that'd be mm -hmm. a really well performing team if you got everybody playing together there. So at the end of the day, Troy, who's responsible for talent development? It's the company? Is it the manager? Who, who ultimately is responsible for making sure that uh, this talent is developed? The simple answer is, is it's everyone's responsibility. It, it starts with employees. That's, that's what we touched on a little bit earlier. 
Um, you know, I've been discussing um, the, the role and responsibility of people leaders uh, in terms of the impact uh, on their teams. Um, but it also involves executives and senior leadership within the organization. Uh, you know, I think about establishing a uh, performance mindset in the organization. Um, and, and, you know, when I think about um, an organizational uh, performance mindset, I'm reminded of a, a ERG session that I participated in uh, here recently, in employee resource group. Uh, and, and that leader was a talent development leader. He said, you know, employees cannot play victim. You know, if we're going to truly be responsible for our careers and their development, um, at a minimum, we must perform to expectations. That, that's just entry in the door. Yeah. Um, and what I found is that some, uh, you know, actually expect tags around being promotable or being high potential without actually doing the work. They just want the title. And so I know in that same session, I used the analogy that if you have to ask at the airport, you know, what do you have to do to, to go through the experienced traveler line? Well, that line is probably not for you. Uh, and so if you're always asking about what is it going to take to be uh, promotable? What is it going to take to be high potential? Well, ultimately, your results, those outcomes, again, are going to speak for you, speak for themselves. Yeah, and that says that says a lot. And I've you know I've seen that throughout my career as well, working with others. You know, you've got you've got those that will be like, oh, you know, a company's not going to pay for this, or they're not going to do this for me, or they're not going to do that. Okay, well, guess what? If it's important, do it yourself, pay for it yourself, and then go find another company. You know, I mean, there that's, you, and, you know, and that's just like, that's that, that gets you out of that victim mentality and it gets you into more like, okay, well, I can actually take these, you know, these, take these steps. And uh, like, I guess you said, get into the, the, the frequent traveler line, right. You know, and get into that, <laughs> no. get into that line. So that's good. And, and that's the education piece to be quite honest, Chris, that's that 10%, you know, it, it could be just courses via the learning management system. Um, but it also could be you paying for a certification yeah. in your function that's going to help move your career forward. If, if tuition reimbursement doesn't doesn't cover that course for whatever reason, uh, yes, I, I would encourage uh, uh, anyone to pay for that themselves if they feel it's uh, most important because, again, they're in control. Yeah, exactly. Troy, any traps or pitfalls that managers should avoid when it comes to talent development? What what are some mistakes maybe you've seen people make over the years that we could learn from? Well, when, when I think about, um, you know, pitfalls, um, and, and then I'll cover maybe a mistake, you know, pitfalls, I think I was just mentioning being promotable or being high potential. I, I feel like that, those designations are fluid. Uh, someone can move um, from year to year, uh, from being core talent to maybe being promotable based on uh, a geographic preferences, personal issues, that are relocating. Uh, maybe it is uh, an assignment, a uh, project, uh, some some added exposure that they were given uh, that that changed their their mind their mindset. Uh, and so leaders need to be aware of those things, and they shouldn't pigeonhole someone. Uh, something that I would refer to as a mistake, Chris, in response to your question would be, um, you know, I, I think um, a corrective action. Performance management is tied to talent development, talent yeah. management is what I'll say. And so a mistake that I've seen is, is a lot of organizations will view a uh, performance improvement plan uh, as, as being one foot out the door. And where I've seen those operate best is if ultimately, if you're having these regular check-ins, there's no surprises. We're not waiting for an annual review. Yeah. You've established potentially an individual development plan. 
when we have to go the route the route of a performance improvement plan, it truly is designed to improve performance. Uh, and you know, if, in, instead of using a PIP as a form of getting of exiting someone out of the organization, well, we should just follow our policy around corrective action. That should be enough. Should uh, again use a performance management as a a tool to uh, improve talent development. So let me understand what you're saying here, because I think that's a I think that is a key a key message that you're saying, don't use the PIP or that performance improvement plan as the mechanism out the door. Use, use another avenue, right? Whatever, there's corrective measures and there's other, there's other pieces that are in place. Use those channels and, and then truly use a performance improvement plan to improve performance. Because, I mean, I think that's something yes. we, we, you know, managers will get caught in that trap, won't we? Definitely. If, if that's truly the goal, and we're going to refer to it and document it as such a performance yeah. improvement, uh, that that employee should have an opportunity to come out of that and and improve. Uh, now, if they, uh, I believe they should be allowed to come out of it uh, if they meet the expectations. That that is something also that is within the employee's control. I believe a PIP should be employee directed and then just validated by management in terms of uh, of being uh, attainable uh, and and measurable. But beyond that, uh, corrective action is already in place for behavioral issues. Yeah, so I think that's often what gets what, what, where the line gets crossed. We you have someone that has performed at level, and now all of a sudden they're not. Let's work on a performance improvement plan to get them back on par. But if we're dealing with um, behavioral issues like attendance, or we're dealing with behavioral issues of, of missing meetings and deadlines. Yeah. You know, that's what a verbal, that's what a, a written and a final is for. You shouldn't have to go the route of performance improvement plan. To distinguish, um, uh, maybe because we're dealing with uh, an exempt employee versus someone that is non-exempt. Yeah, yeah, no, it's good insight there. Well, we definitely appreciate uh, you being on Great Practice today, Troy, and uh, you know, just a lot of you tell a lot of experience there, and appreciate uh, appreciate you sharing that with us. Now, what would be the best way um, for people to get a hold of you if they maybe want to talk more about uh, the importance of talent development? What's uh, what's the best way to reach you? Sure. I, I don't. I don't do a lot of social media, but I, I am on LinkedIn. I don't, I don't have Twitter or, or, or Instagram, but um, from a LinkedIn perspective, you can find me uh, uh, there. Uh, you know, Troy Felder. Um, uh, my uh, um, name, of course, and um, have my SPHR as well as my uh, SHRM uh, certified uh, designation from an HR uh, perspective. So uh, that that uh, I should pop up right at the top of the list when you <laughs> when you search me on LinkedIn. I tell you what we're going to do. We're going to even make it easier. We're going to include your LinkedIn profile in the bottom of this uh, podcast episode so that uh, anybody that's interested, they're going to be able to click right to it. So that'll be great uh, to get a hold of you there. All right, Troy. Well, we appreciate your time this afternoon and uh, thanks for coming on Great Practices and we will talk with you soon. Thanks again, Chris. Appreciate it, everybody. Well, we'd like to thank Troy for being on our show today and another great conversation on great practices. So what were some of these key great practices that we can take away from today's conversation? Loved his definition of talent development. It's the marriage of career planning, which the employee is responsible for that part, and career management, which the employer is responsible for that part of talent development. That's the Uh, selection, evaluation, hiring, onboarding, and developing of employees. 
So it's a marriage of these two, what the employee is wanting to do and what the employer is able to offer that really comes together to make that talent development something that uh, works for everybody. Loved the percentages on the individual development path, the 70, 20, 10. We're going to go backwards. 10% education. This was the formal aspect of development. Then there was 20% that he was talking about was really exposure. See what others are working on. See what else you're interested in. And that's one of the things that's great about working in a PMO is you can um, be involved in so many different work streams and see how different groups and different teams work on different things that you may find something else that you really enjoy just by the fact that you're exposed to it uh, in your normal day-to-day work. And then finally, the biggest chunk, which makes perfect sense, is experience. On-the-job training, 70% comes from work experience. This is where you get your hands dirty. This is where you make mistakes and then you figure out what you did wrong so that you don't do it again the next time. This is how you watch other people from beginning to end to see, oh, that's how that deliverable is put together. And that's how uh, success is achieved by that on-the-job training. So I love those three E's, education, exposure, and experience, and those percentages there. What about the team aspect of uh, this talent development. Also, something to focus on. Have that objective that everybody on that team is looking toward. You can start broad and then you can obviously make it a little more granular as it gets down to different departments or different team members. But by having that one goal and that one direction that everybody's pulling in together, it takes all of that individual development and begins to make it even bigger by amplifying it across a team. Loved his idea also uh, about who's responsible for talent development. So we sometimes will fall into the um, false sense of security or the feeling that, well, you know, the company, my company is really responsible for making sure that my talent is developed. Mm, that may be the case, and maybe you work for a good company that does care about your talent development, but sometimes that's not the case. And if you're in a situation where the company is not uh, putting a priority on talent development, it's your responsibility to go out and figure out what you want to do in order to continue to develop your skills uh, and your aptitudes. And the couple of traps and pitfalls These were really good because the pitfall that many managers would fall into is that we'll pigeonhole somebody. And I thought this was interesting because, you know, we'll pigeonhole somebody as a high potential or a high performer. Maybe their circumstances change and they're not a high performer anymore. So we've got to be cognizant of that. And at the same time, it could be that we've pigeonholed somebody as a low performer, but maybe their circumstances have changed and they are now high potential or they've got the ability to be a high performer as well. So don't fall into that trap of pigeonholing people, either positive or negative. And then here's a mistake that he called out is that a PIP, a performance improvement plan, should be a performance improvement plan. It shouldn't be the way out the door. Um, and that's a trap that we fall into many times. It's like, oh, we're going to put you on this PIP and then you're going to be out the door. Use the other corrective action plans that are in place 
uh, in order to, if somebody needs to not be there anymore, there's other ways that people can be removed from those positions because of performance and because of the fact that they're not meeting expectations. But a performance improvement plan really should be designed to improve performance. And I'm even thinking about this now. It's like, well, why not do a performance improvement plan for somebody that's already performing well? Maybe they could even get better. So let's take that, that stigma off of that and make a PIP maybe a positive experience. So I'd like to thank Troy for being on again today and uh, just a great conversation with him and really appreciate his insight into talent development and uh, how we can uh, work with our employees. Do you have a great practice you'd like to share? Well, go to the pmoleader.com, click on content, click on great practices podcast and fill out the form that's at the bottom of the screen. Uh, Someone will get in touch with you shortly. We're always looking for a great and interesting guest to be on our show. And also, be sure not to miss an episode by subscribing to Great Practices on your favorite podcast platform. And uh, just like everything else, the more this podcast is shared with others, if you've got colleagues, bosses, managers, whomever, uh, share, share an episode or two. Share the podcast. Uh, it'll do us all good. So we again, thank you for listening to this episode and keep putting great practices into practice. Yeah.